y'all, this is John Cloud Jones. This is Mike Strong with the Indianapolis Colts. Yo, it's your boy Buddy here. This is Jazz the Kid Chisholm. Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged into 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. You're logged in with 10th Year Seniors. All right, we continue our, I guess at this point, we got to call it Megapod on the Bahamas All-Pro Celebrity Weekend. We got Alex Guerrero joining us in our makeshift studio. Yeah, we just nice studio. Yeah, Yeah, I know. It's a billion dollar studio. (laughs) I mean, you and Joe Rogan. You guys are both. (laughs) So full disclosure, we just walked into some conference room in Bahama. We're like, all right, we'll just set up stuff here. No one's kicked us out yet. And there's a bunch of cameras here. So I love it. Hey. All right. So, what, what was the highlight of this weekend? I'm asking everybody that joined us. I'm asking. I asked Mike. I asked Rashad. The highlight of this weekend for you? There was a lot going on. You, we ended it by seeing all those talented kids out there at the camp. What stood out to you? Um, that's a tough question because there were so many great things that were like tangible things that I could take away from this weekend. But honestly, man, the possibility that we were a part of starting a movement is really the biggest takeaway. Um, I think you were talking about this when I walked in, where uh, Fenton was like, we're part of not like just like a, like a city camp. Like this is for the nation, right? This is for the islands. Like if we do a good job and if word spreads, which I know it will, because you guys are doing a great job. And I think, you know, the Ministry of Tourism, the American Football Federation, our sponsors at Rev. I mean, there's just a lot of really great buzz around this. And I think it was highlighted by the fact that we had such a great turnout of kids that really, one, have an opportunity. Um, And I think when you get that positive reinforcement and you hear it from someone that's achieved it, it gives you that much more motivation. So the fact that you're part of that is a, is a really special thing. So I would say that's probably the best takeaway from the weekend. And I know, you know, Jonathan mentioned to us that you've done this same kind of project in yeah. the Dominican Republic. Like, compare those two experiences, because I know in the DR, baseball is king there, just yeah, like yeah. track and field is yeah, king yeah. here. So you're kind of trying to pick off kids from their main sport. Yeah, well, it's actually backwards. I actually didn't get an opportunity to do this in the Dominican Republic. So this is my way to do it because I was bouncing around so many um, practice squads. I went to NFL Europe. I had to play Canada. I had to play arena ball to try to make it back. I never did it. So by the time I was trying to force my way back in the game, my influence was gone or what, what I perceived to be my influence was gone, right? So what I did do it for is when I started my company, I was working with another international player in Tyrone Crawford, who was uh, a Windsor, Canada native. And his goal was, like you said, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a country that predominantly does not, you know, see hockey as their pastime. Football is not their pastime. And so it was our way to have these, you know, giants in front of these kids and be like, you can be this. And so I'm reliving that through Michael and through the process of, of recruiting him, I told him, hey, listen, this is more special to me because I'm going to live vicariously through you. And um, I, my energy is always 100% in, but this one, ha- this one hits different. We can tell, you know, yeah, we can tell <laughs> them the no, no megaphone, yeah. no nothing. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, going. Yeah. The right. fact that I still have a voice is pretty impressive. So, so at the camp today, everyone on the sideline was just wowed by saying, who is this dude walking around and every single person in this stadium can hear what he's saying crazy. without any kind of voice amplifier. Yeah, like, it's crazy. That was the energy that you brought there. And I think those kids responded well to that. And I was so happy that that was the case because I think 
um, you know, sometimes when there's an abrasive, you know, some like a, you know, abrasive tone towards you, some people shut down, but the Bohemian culture seems to have been, it receives it as community, which is really cool. There's a lot of, not a lot of camps, but there's some camps I could tell you. I remember I did a Patrick Peterson camp in 2017 in Miami Gardens. And when you're a five-star recruit and you're in there, like I saw there was one kid that was like the number one defensive back in the nation. And in a way, he kind of disrespected Pat. And that to me was like, he's not going to get any better. As opposed to these kids who came in with an open heart and open mind, knowing that they wanted to be like they wanted to be influenced today. And that's a proponent for success, because no matter what position we are in our lives, if we're not always receptive to growing, then we're going to stay stagnant and we can't win when we're stagnant. And the game of football has always been such a great, great catalyst to that, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinions, and everyone that I've been around that's really, you know, you see it. Like, when you come into a camp, you wouldn't have had to play with anybody. I didn't play with anybody on that field, but today we were teammates, right? With cohesive, one cohesive unit to, like, our job today was to impact those kids, and we did that cohesively. We, that's, we, con we connected right away, so, um, yeah, it, it hit different. I want to eventually get into the football and the business side of it, but I also want people to know your football origin story. Yeah. Like, so I just take us through that, your experience in the game and how it helped you to develop everything that you have going on right now. Yeah. You know, football wasn't expected for me. Um, as a Dominican kid in Orange County, California, um, I didn't, I played sports, but sports wasn't my life. Really. My dad really made us focus on, you know, church more, community more. I always like to say in the position that I am now, where I was 10 steps ahead for team sports is the fact that I grew up in church. So therefore, everything was a team effort, right? The potluck. I always bring this up in recruiting calls, right? Like, you got the soda this week. I got the chicken. Next week, you got me, right? If you need me, I'm your shoulder, right? I'm your brother. Um, so I was a step ahead on that part. I always had an affinity for community. Um, but football kind of came about... As a guy who, you know, I, I, I didn't know what when high school was coming around, um, I hadn't played football. One, I was too heavy. So in Pop Warner um, in Orange County, California, you have to be a certain weight at a certain age. I was surpassing that already. Discrimination. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, they probably wouldn't be yeah, able to yeah, do yeah, it, right? Yeah. You'd be canceled. But so, so I never got to play football. I got to play some baseball. So I made friends around, like, the leagues that I was playing. And as we were transitioning over to high school, I kind of just asked my friends, like, what sport are you playing? And I think they looked at me, they're like, well, you need to be playing football, right? You know, at that point, my love, believe it or not, was skateboarding. So I was I was around a lot of skateboarders, surfers, boogie boarders. Um, my Saturdays weren't necessarily in the weight room. They were, you know, on uh, on the bus taking uh, Beach Boulevard down to Huntington Beach, 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back to catch, a, you know, a couple waves, right? And so... Football came into my life almost as a way of, like, I want to fit in. Like, these guys that I want to be in my circle, I want to be in their circle. Um, and it really came naturally to me. Like, I feel like I got the best of both worlds because um, I didn't play growing up. So, therefore, I wasn't uh, burnt out by the time I was in high school. So, I was hungry right away. And when I found out you can go to school for free, like, I literally remember the day that I found out that the best player on our team, varsity team, Kenny Washington, was getting looked at by Oregon. 
And I was like, wait a second, like, what do you mean he's getting looked at? He's like, he's going to Oregon. Congratulations. I was like, well, yeah, people go to college. They're like, no, like, they're paying him to go to college. I was like, what? Oh, I'm going hard. Light like, bulb. Yeah. Light bulb. Light bulb moment. went off. I, I, I got with my speed coach, you know, who to this day, we're still very close, Rick Hagedorn. The drills that you guys saw today was the same exact drills that I was doing on the Braille Linda track four times a week, uh, just about every day other than Sunday and Wednesdays uh, for two years in my high school so career. that's engraved in your brain for the rest of your life. Uh, I'm telling you, and it's funny because you would have thought, you know, some of this stuff, and obviously in this camp, a lot of people haven't had football specific training, but I've been to other camps and they, you know, they love the way we kind of um, correlate some of that movement into what we believe is a great first step to being, you know, functionally fast, right? You know, my coach always told us you could be fast, but when you're functionally fast, that you're going to be a step ahead. And so that's really, I told the kids today, that really is what set me apart from, you know, the other guys, you know, getting recruited. I was they knew my work ethic because they knew I was doing that training. They knew I was out there. You know, I was a wrestler. So I was developing my skills as a wrestler. And then I was doing track and field and running sprints. Like, I would train with the sprints, uh, with the sprinting team. Um, and then I would still throw shot because I was strong. But then they would put me in the big man relay. And uh, that was one, one of the times that I got a call from, uh, from Cal is they saw me in a big man relay um, when they were recruiting another kid. And then, like, two weeks later, I was running on a dirt track, uh, and I beat our rival. Excuse me, I didn't beat him. It was, like, a tenth of a second off from our rival running back at Anaheim. And I think kind of some buzz started getting created there. But, you know, I'll give a lot of credit to that, my commitment to that, you know, the support system I had very early on. I think I was very lucky to have people believe in me very early. And, again, going back to what's important in these camps is the fact that you're being that to these kids that, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, we're, you know, we are what we believe we are, right? So if we believe that we can be successful, I truly believe you can be successful. If, you know, at the end of the day, you feel like, like, yeah, I could play football, but it's not taking me anywhere. Or, oh, if I commit to a goal, I may be able to live a cool life, but not a great life. So I really enjoy that part of my journey because I, I can really reflect and see that I was lucky in very many ways. Um, but, you know, from there, you know, got a, a scholarship to Boise State University. I'd like to say that it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, Boise was in an unbelievable trajectory, right? I, I, I was in, I think I lost like seven games in college in four years. I played as a true freshman. So culture was really big. So everything you guys saw today, like there's mannerisms from every coach that I input that that I implement into what I do now when I coach, right? Like there's a little bit of Coach Bannison, there's a little bit of Coach Tucker, there's a little bit of Coach Pittman, um, all people who are different coaches and had different coaching styles. But I would like to say that one of my, I'll call it one of my superpowers, is I'm really good at emulating the things that I want to take away from people, um, and I think that's a lost art because. We always want to be individuals, right? But if we're not learning with the people that we're around, then we're, again, we're staying stagnant. So I, I was very lucky. Boise State, I was developed tremendously. I was always the, 
you know, soundest football player on the field at, you know, whether I got to the NFL, when I got to the NFL, no one was going to out technique me, but it just got to the point where guys were out 350 yeah. Yeah, out at me, out size, long, long arms, long limbs. But ultimately, like I stayed on the, I stayed on the Vikings practice squad longer than someone in my position would have made strictly because they saw my work ethic. They saw that, you know, the genuine love that my teammates have for me. Matter of fact, when I was on the Vikings, uh, the two Williams brothers got in trouble for um, a, a banned substance. And I remember Rick Spielman calling me and he's like, hey, man, we never do this. We actually don't see you have a future with our team, but we want to bring you back because these two guys are about to get suspended. So I ended up making like seven weeks more salary because they saw me as a person that they wanted in their culture, in their locker room. So, you know, got to play, sniffed, sniffed the NFL, sniffed NFL Europe. I got to go play in NFL Europe. It was the first time I ever got hurt. I was a starter uh, for the team, the Rhine Fire. Um, shout out to Germany. Great football fans in Germany. Really? And actually, they're going to yeah. have their I first have NFL fans. Yeah. They're going to have their first NFL game in Berlin, and they're talking about bringing some OG NFL Europe guys. I'm like, shoot, I'll take a free trip to Berlin. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but, yeah, so I, I've lived in an unbelievable football life and for me to be able to reciprocate the blessing that I have by sharing that with others through my business through the fact that I always I always tell guys though it's not easy run camps it's really not you guys know this events sponsorship alignment with other people tracking other people's schedules it's really hard and it's a whole different country and and it's a whole different (laughs) country that's learning the game but the reward after and I tell people like if you can connect with people on that level, and that's what I love about Michael Strawn. Like, he wants to continue doing these things. One, because I think he's going to develop as a man. And two, it's going to put him in a different light than people. You know, we always perceive people that we see on this pedestal. Until you see him grinding and you see me doing the push-ups with the kids, right? Like, those things, again, those are all things I learned through my journey in football. That's a lot of push-ups. No, I'm sore. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, no. At lie. the beginning of it, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yo, they're going to be tired and yeah. not want to do anything. <laughs> no, even the players, I think I heard Keenan Allen was like, yo, how long have they been warming up? Like, they've been warming up for a long, for a long ass time. But I thought the same thing. That's why I started speeding up. I was like, Alex, right. you don't have all day here to teach a lesson. <laughs> so there's something in what you said that is very valuable. And I think all athletes, no matter what level they're at, they need to hear this. Um, so I wanted to get more into when you made the decision to say, okay, football's not going to work out for me in terms of a career, mm-hmm. but sports is going to be a part of my life. I, I'm going to use this in the business aspect, and that, yeah. that's where I'm going to move forward. So when did, when did you make that decision, and how did you go about charting that territory? Well, the decision was made for me that <laughs> yeah, football was done. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, but... Again, I was always intentional with who I was. Like I was, there was never a doubt that I was going to be someone who pours into people, who's going to value my relationships, who's going to give more than he receives. And again, I was very lucky to be raised that way. And and why I started my business is because I almost felt it was unfair that I was so far ahead of other people as as a person. And I would be in a locker room, and I'd be like, if he really honed in on who he was as a person he could do a lot of important things, not just in money-making, but in, like, leadership. And we all know this. We need more leaders. I always tweet that. We need more leaders. Um, I think in an isolated world behind digital, behind, you know, uh, 
you know, things like COVID and things like that. Like, I think we we're, we become we've become an introverted society, and so therefore we're losing the gifts that come from community and being dynamic. And so I would be in a locker room. I'd be like, "You're losing. You're not. You're not like. Yeah, we don't. You know, if we don't go outside of our comfort zones." then we're not going to learn something, you know, and just because we're, you know, our culture is different, which is what the most beautiful thing about team sports is, right? I, again, going back to my chameleon, like I got to be around 5,300 different people every year in different locker rooms. And with everything, I was always very vigilant into like who I wanted to be like Tony Gonzalez, you know, Sean Alexander, Matt Hasselback, Nate Burleson, just had an unbelievable call with Nate Burleson. And you guys, I was on that team for like seven weeks. I saw a guy today who I played with in Seattle, Ben Obumanu, at the pool, and I was with him for seven weeks. We connect. He knew the kind of person I am. You know what I mean? And he's like, yo, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what can we do together? And... I felt that athletes lack that because we have this tunnel vision because we, it's so hard to make it right. It's so hard to make it that you just have to, and the perception is it's so hard to make it. So we almost kind of make ourselves believe we got to lock in. So, I mean, ultimately to me that, that is, um, you know, one of the things that I truly believe, um, you know, made things different for me when I chose, um, what I was going to be, I knew I was going to be in the business of people. I just knew it. And it really kind of came together when I saw that I can be sharing that through a management role, which is really management's a fancy word for it. There's a lot of there like it's so dynamic. It's gonna be my next question. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's management, it's mentoring, it's positive reinforcement, it's challenging. Sometimes I gotta challenge guys. Like I have to get to a point it where can I be have babysitting. It can be. Yeah, well, yes, of course. But the but the babysitting comes with coachable moments. Yeah. Right. And if I don't over communicate, like today, everything that I coach to a new demographic of of learner, I knew I had to over communicate what was going on today. So if I needed to grab someone on the side because maybe he was a little bit taken aback or if this guy likes to be talked to, like I can, I have a really inept like gift to be able to be like, all right, this is a guy I need to pull aside. This is, and again, that came from what I learned from other guys, right? Like, um, and other coaches I've had in my life. So it's, um, that, that's really what took me to, you know, starting my business and, you know, every day is different, which is, it's refreshing. It's also stressful at times because I'm a consistent person, but the people around me aren't necessarily consistent. So that that sometimes creates um, you know more stress than you need, but it's it's all once you see the growth of a person. I really don't know if there's a bigger gift in business. So how did the relationship between you and Mike Strawn come about? How did he? How did you go about recruiting him? Was there something about him that kind of drew you? Yeah. So it was it was during the time that we were trying to be better at growing our rookie, our like our young athletes. Like you know, I was representing guys that have been in the NFL for ten years: Golden Tate, Patrick Peterson, guys that on the tail end of their of their careers, Tyrone Crawford, and but those guys though we're still managing them, it's a different type of managing. Now they're consistent people and we're just trying to amplify what we're doing. Um, we're trying to, you know, we're having a lot of fun knowing that the things that we've executed over the years are working to their advantage. It's like the coolest thing ever when, you know, I, you know, there's, there's very many, there's not very many moments where they're like, Alex, you did that. But, but we, it's like un, unspoken. It's like, yeah. yo, you tell me that. 
You know what I mean? Like it's a cool, it's a really cool part of that. So, um, so Michael actually had a relationship with someone that was recruiting him as an agent, um, as a contract agent, which in my position, I only handle the off the field endeavors and the monetization from sports marketing endorsements, et cetera, like that. Um, and so when she told me he was from the islands, I went straight to what I believe was, would have been a great narrative for me to sell on the brand management side and even more so one that I can speak to. So there's not a conversation I don't have with Michael about when I tell people we're one and the same because we want to uplift this game. And right away it creates a synergy because the people that I'm typically talking to are people that know me as a person already. So when I bring Michael into the conversation with me, it's a great way to be like, okay, this is, this is a guy we probably want to work with. It kind of sounds pompous, but that's, that's really what it is. Like I, I carry myself in a way that I'm a reflection of the people that I work with and the people that I'm around because ultimately that's going to serve them a better, better than anything else that I can do. Um, yeah, I could be a tough negotiator. I could be a guy that steps over people and takes advantage of people, but that's going to be a reflection on them. So a lot of that, a lot of that is very um, calculated, but again, the, I think the society to me, and, and I mean, the reason behind calling it the society, I felt like everyone within my company serves a purpose, client and employee and myself, everyone serves a purpose. If Patrick Peterson shows up five minutes late to a shoot, it's going to reflect on the next person that we have that doing that shoot. If I talk to someone some type of way, or if I treat a female some type of way, it's going to reflect badly on the people around me. And so we want to work cohesively as a society to then have positive impacts be the things that are the collateral, uh, not damage, but collateral uh, wins. You know what I mean? So is it is it better for you to manage a, a smaller group or like? Just by the name society, right? I'm thinking we want to be connected. You want to have a close interpersonal relationship yeah, have to. with these guys. You have to. So is it? Is it? So what's what's the end game for you? Are you thinking more of a wider scope or a wider range, or yeah. would you like to keep it? No, I like boutique. Closer? I like boutique because I wouldn't be living by my word if I had 75 clients and I said that I knew each one of them like I know myself. You can't do it. Um, it's actually my biggest pet peeve in, in, in regular contract agent work where these guys just acquire and acquire and acquire and acquire and they sell family. But I mean, my dad was one of 16 children. I never met one of my aunts. So I know if in a family dynamic, yeah. it's tough to keep in touch with people. Then I know in a business dynamic, it's, it's hard to do. So I've always, I've always, it's, it's almost kind of to a point where I didn't become a contract agent because I felt like it was too, um, you know, it was too surface. It's not deep enough for me. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I, I want to be in a place where I'm always adding value to others. And at, at, a, at a large scale, it's really tough. But on an intimate scale, it's great. And honestly, it elongates the times that I can work. If I can, if I can hone in on a client, and we do such a great job of building an unbelievable brand. Uh, the three-year window of an NFL player or an MLB player goes to five years, to seven years, to 10 years, because after sports, then we're doing business. And after business, we're doing philanthropy. And after philanthropy, we're doing family. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's no end to it if it's really, if it's really played the right way. I know you got with Mike. You said you spoke to him. Was the difficulties of him being from the islands, a small school, like it seemed like everything was against him yeah. to be able to, to even start. Like, 
How was that process of just getting him out there? Yeah, it, it took it took him having an open mind. Um, you know, I spoke to, I spoke to his dad. They were ready to make a decision and keep everything in house. Um, but he said, you know, to his credit, he's like, "Let me talk to my dad. I want you to talk to my dad." Um, and Michael still has a lot of growing to do. Like Michael has so much potential, bec- uh, just strictly based on the way he was raised. His work ethic, his athletic prowess, his athletic ability, that's that's God-given. Um, the fact that he chooses to become better tomorrow than he was today is where his gift is. Um, and so with Michael, when I'm recruiting him, I'm not thinking about the restraints. I'm thinking about what the ceiling is. Because if I do a good enough job and I sell this in a way where we can really create some great lanes for him – then he's going to, whether he becomes a 10-year NFL player or not, he's going to have a platform, and it's going to be a continued platform, and it's going to be a value one. So that's that's where I kind of, and, and to be quite honest, if we're going to be real, real, I don't make money off Michael. I haven't made, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm actually upside down on Michael. And I, I don't say that to say like he's not, because I'm, I'm investing in what he's doing, because I believe in what we can do for long term. And by the way, already paid back i just did a camp in the bahamas like we did a camp and i'm over at freaking sls pool like hanging out like that's a win in my book right whether i made money off it or not you know what i mean uh so there's value there to me and i truly believe the people that have invested in me they didn't get a a monetary return but um so i i do the same i try to pass that on so it wasn't difficult decision because i saw the upside is because we relate as much as we do and I know that no matter what, I'm going to help him maximize what he's got going. So when I saw it, I remember seeing it on Twitter that he's signing. At this point, I didn't know what the society was, but I, right. I saw it and then I started to look into things and I thought, oh, he's really attacking this holistically. This is not just yeah. trying to make a roster. This yeah. is me already looking ahead to yeah. sports marketing and how yeah. I'm going to sell myself as a player and as an individual. So he came to you with these, with these principles. Did he or yeah, I mean, I, I think he had a vision to what he wants to accomplish. I mean, his dad is an unbelievably wise man. He's been manifesting what him and Prince are doing. And he told me to my face, he's like, man, I've been praying for this for years and it's coming together. And everything that, you know, you being in our lives, you know, the things that happen, you know, obviously getting Prince to Boise State University, my alma mater. Like, what are the chances of that? What are the chances that I can I can speak to the fact that Michael was under recruited because of the way he looked in high school right you know when you're tall and lanky you could be the fastest guy on earth you still look like bambi so it it it, it scares coaches away so there's no doubt that's why prince wasn't getting looked at they're like oh is he just head and head above everyone else height wise you know what i mean it may not convert over so what i told andy at boise state and um and zach miller or matt miller excuse me the wide receiver coach who's a boise state guy i told him First of all, let me send you Michael Strawn's photos. This is how yeah. he developed, right? Mr. Greek God. And then two, like, this is a similar scenario. He was a guy who had to move away to pursue football, and that alone should deserve some sort of reward, right? The commitment it takes to go away from your family, to go chase something, man. So you already know you have a guy that's going to buy in. And that's at Boise State, that's, that's, uh, that's the first box to check. Because if you don't buy in, you can't do it. That's why, you know, I start realizing what our special juice is now that I work with guys from bigger schools. 
And the fact of the matter is, you go to LSU, you're there to go to the league. You're not there to build 10-year relationships. At Boise State, you're buying into Boise State. You're buying into the blue-collar stuff. And so you, you dive deeper into the things that make you a better football player, and you commit to things that at bigger schools they don't. Which is, which is what makes what Alabama's done so impressive, right? Because those guys all go to the league, yeah. and they find a way to buy in. But I tell people, Boise is still an NFL pipeline. Like, it's not oh, like we're always it, it, it naturally, and like you said, the way you look at things, you do things the right way, yeah. and success is going to come. Yeah. And like Kellen Moore, like I remember, you know, you just have those players. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, I call them Tupac Shakur still. I always yes, call them. Uh, Kalo Shakur. I, <laughs> but I think... By far, first of all, he should have been drafted by the Dolphins. Yeah, I told you this I'm earlier. I'm upset about them. But yeah. I feel he's going to be a baller because, like you say, he ticks the box. He went there and he did his job. Yeah. And when he gets to the NFL, it's not going to be. It's going to be I don't, no nonsense. I, that guy's going to go to knows work what to do. every day. And again, I don't even know the guy, oh, but yeah. I've seen him play. I and I think I know him just, just by seeing him. I want him on my well, team. Well, the makeup of a Boise State player is pretty similar. You see, you look at any guy that's had success, and a majority of the guys that do have success in the NFL, they do have a combination of, you know, the intangibles that you have in size. But quite frankly, they're just better football players. You know, Demarcus Lawrence, you, you have him walk into this, into this room, you'd be like, all right, that's a, that's a 40th guy on a roster, not the fifth highest defensive player at the position. You know, and, you know, but he, he buys in. He's always a guy that's going to set the tone. Um, and that and that comes very early on when you go to Boise State. And that's what I'm excited about for Prince because he's going to go into a situation where expectations are going to be high, but they're going to invest in you to get to that as opposed to like, yo, the expectations are high. That's on you. Nah, man, like we're going to grow. We're going to develop you. So that, that's exciting stuff. Like so you look at the ceiling. You don't look at what it no. is. Yeah. Because I always tell people, you may be a five-star recruit, mm -hmm. but you may plateau because you're yeah. bigger, faster, stronger than everyone. Yeah. It's those two stars, three stars who are hungry yeah. that develop yeah. and become the superstars. Yeah, and, and it's not limited to just sports, quite frankly. Like if, if, if I look at talent and business, you know, I'm around you know, millionaires, billionaires, people that are successful. And quite frankly, the people that I've seen that are the most successful um, have those intangibles. They buy in. Um, they have, you know, an unbelievable work ethic, but it doesn't, it's not for the majority, for the people that I've been aligned with. The importance of the people doesn't surpass what they're trying to achieve and the importance of what they're trying to achieve. And at Boise State, that's what it is. It's that guy next to you. You know, we, you know, you bleed blue. You know, whether you're a walk-on or you're a, you know, preseason All-American, that you guys both bought into this together, and so therefore you're going to go into war together on that. I want to get deeper into sports marketing in general because you know we mentioned college football. The, the game is changing as we speak. Yeah, for sure. So what's what's the most difficult part of this new era in sports marketing because a lot of guys now perception yeah i was just about to say a lot of guys now they don't believe they may not believe they need any of this they don't believe they need traditional media they may be looking at marketing the same way so what's changing the game for you i i would say that at that age a majority of athletes have a perception deficiency meaning that they probably think they're better than they are you haven't been humbled yet. 
I agree with like yeah, that, to, and that's, to me, and that's, that's the problem with NIL because you haven't proved anything. You yet. haven't proved a lot, and you can benefit off of it. And again, I'm a supporter of that. But what it what it does is it, it creates one more dynamic to really create an inconsistent person, where you really need a consistent person in this sport and 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 in life, honestly. So, you know, that was my biggest worry going into it, and I kind of went in. And I was like, well, I still want the opportunity to, you know, help mentor these kids. And to my surprise, you know, it's not a, a higher as a percentage as I thought of people that really take it in. They're still just wanting a handout where if you find the right person and they're like, well, what have you achieved for Patrick Peterson? What have you achieved for Michael Strong? What have you achieved for Demarcus Lawrence? Oh, I'm listening to this guy. Unfortunately, it's not there yet. And and um, and and the. On the back end, it's not that much money to make. Yeah. So it's like you it's like a double edged sword. Like you want to get into it, but then you're like, is my time worth this? Because if they're not growing, then it's a double whammy, right? If I'm not making money and they're not growing because they're not taking it deeply. So I mean, I think it can be refined and I think it can it can ultimately be a good thing. But I just think at the at the juncture that you are at that age. You know, and you, you know, we're, we're just unrealistic people at that age. Like, I could have told you when I was 19, I played like, I played as a true freshman. That's a million dollar NIL deal, right? Yeah, now. well, no, <laughs> yeah, in my mind, I was probably the most valuable guy. But like, dude, after leaving there, I realized, dude, you should have redshirted. You were playing like eight plays a game. So like, again, the perception versus reality at that age, it's hard to really and, hone it. And I think that takes a lot for someone to realize I have to take a step back before I take that yeah, step. Yeah, you forward. haven't got your you because haven't had your nuts kicked in yet. By by <laughs> the prime example, I think is we will go back to Mike. Yeah, you and me were at the Dolphins game, mm -hmm. and I think we had a giant powwow uh, when we were walking to the car about Mike should be getting more time. Mike should be getting more time. Yeah, yeah. and it's just but that's just us being selfish at yeah, that, yeah, at yeah, that yeah. particular time. Yeah, yeah. But doesn't mean you're wrong. Doesn't mean you're wrong. <laughs> but at the same time, Mike is taking it how he needs to take it. Yeah. And that's what's about. We can say what we want to say, but it's what Mike, Mike says, Mike does, Mike shows that he's a part of the team. He's a part of the growing process. So it's just like, yeah, like I said, it was, it was one of those things. I, I was having a powwow the whole time thinking he should have. <laughs> you have a lot of those. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I want, I want us to end on this note. I want you to, this is the inaugural edition of this event. Yeah. You know, Jonathan has talked about how much he wants it to grow. Mike has been saying the same thing. I want you to sell, whether it's a prospective player looking to come down or somebody looking to invest in this camp, I want you to sell them on this. Let's let's give them the full <laughs> rant from the society. Sell yeah, them right. on, on right. what they can get from the Bahamas All-Pro Celebrity Weekend. As I live and breathe, I'm the example of what could come from these camps. I'm a from a third-world country went into a place that was unfamiliar to me in Orange County. Of all places, like, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, I would, if you would have said Brooklyn, yeah, you no, would have said Miami, yeah. I would have been like, I get it, but yeah. Cali, that, that's... Yeah, no, I, and, I, and I stood out like a sore thumb, yeah. right? Um, but I, I truly believe if you, if, you can, if you can grasp what the result can be, then you'll want to support this. Because ultimately, again, we need more leaders, so whatever comes from this, if, if today in my stick about staying behind the white line or doing five push-ups every time we lost um, our composure and went off sides, if that converts over to how a kid handles being bullied 
or how a kid handles getting a bad grade and getting down on himself and, you know, and struggling with mental health. Like that to me is all valuable to society, not just the game, not just something that we're going to stand, you know, be in the stands. We love, we love sports. We all love sports. Everything that makes us that that sports makes us feel like the good and the bad, right? It's it's uh, it's polarizing. But the the ancillary things that come with it are just as valuable, if not more valuable, because the 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 top, you know, the one percent of people that actually make it to the NFL, those other people that are still, you know, the other ninety nine percent, I still. I still provide value. I still believe provide value to the community and provide value within their own homes. Right. I mean, this is a way deeper conversation, but a lot of the issues we're having in the States with all of the craziness with kids and guns and things like that, a lot of that starts in the home. Right. And so if you, you know, there's just accountability though, that that's, that's that's the problem. If you can't take accountability, it, it, it's like I said, it's a deeper conversation but I truly believe that this game could be a proponent for just great, great growth. Um, and so if we're going to look at look at that holistically and what like, you know, the, the, the title is a celebrity weekend in camp, but really it should be like, you know, weekend of motivation. Right. Weekend of affirmation. Right. If you if, if one of those kids left there and was wondering, am I good enough? And he, when I walked out, I nudged him. I was like, you can do this. Right. What, what, like, I don't think one. Ceiling? I don't think one kid walked out there disappointed, and yeah. that that's what's important. Yes. Every single kid that went there had the time of their life and came out happy. Yeah. And like you say, that it makes them a something. better person. Absolutely, absolutely. From from every level of that, I, that makes me happy. Think about it. Was raining, and this is the truth. When it rains, Bahamians just leave. Yeah. Like we leave. Like we're not even checking anymore. We're For like, real? yeah, the, that's like, dope. all the kids stayed out there. <laughs> that's dope. Yeah. Actually the D lineman were like, yo coach, coach, we not stopping. <laughs> I was like, yes, hell yeah. We're not stopping. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's an unbelievable gift to be able to give back to others. And it's, it's, it's one of the coolest, you know, I, I, I live an unbelievable life. And the things I take away from what I do every day is the impact that I make on people. And, and honestly, if we're going to be real, like I impacted the coaches that were there too. So those coaches are going to be better leaders, right? Those guys were learning too. Even the NFL players, like even the guys that have been coached before, they're going to go to their camp and they're going to treat kids with that kind of respect, that kind of energy. And it's just, if it's a cycle, right? If we just keep, if we could just keep recycling amazing things like that, shoot, we're going to be in a better place. That's how you stick the landing. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> drop, my <Mike>, drop. <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for yeah. being here. Thank you. We appreciate it, man.